This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Frontier from American English with this guy. And this lesson is going to be about love and relationships. A couple days ago, I did a live lesson. This is only the lesson. No questions from viewers. It's about 20 minutes long. There are no ads. So you can watch straight through. There are 13 terms that will help you with your English and 20 sentences that I say. The sentence will be on the screen and you can use it to practice your shadowing. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoy. Oops, I forgot to mention, there are chapters below. So if you want to jump right to a word, you can do that. Again, thanks for watching. One more thing. This, this is the last one, I promise. I will be doing a part two about love and relationships. So in the comments, if you have any questions or you want me to cover some terms in the future, let me know. Again, I think that's it. Oh, oh, like, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Thank you. Oh, wait, one more thing. Just kidding. Enjoy. Today, we will be talking about love and relationships. I think I have about 13 terms for you, about 20 sentences you can practice shadowing with. It's hitting that thumbs up. So, if you could do that for me, that would be amazing. So in English, when we say relationships, that could be just like a mother and a son, could be a brother and a sister. We will get to some of those terms later. But if you say somebody is in a relationship, they are in a relationship that means more about like love. They might be dating. We'll talk about dating in just a minute. But as you can see in that slide right there, those two people, they look like they are in a relationship. So relationships, we'll talk about related in a minute too, but a relationship might mean that they have something to do with love or it could be that they are related. And we'll talk about related by marriage. We'll talk about related by blood in a little bit. Now, this next sentence here, clearly, they are a couple. I think we'll talk about that term. The first term is always the hardest because I'm using so many terms we will talk about later in the lesson. But that sentence right down there, if you want to practice shadowing, I will uh, say it hopefully very clearly and very slowly for you. They have been in a relationship since last summer. So you might say that they're dating. They're dating. So those two terms can be used in pretty much the same way. They are in a relationship or they are dating. So that dating is what a couple 
might do before they get married. How about this, though? Going back to relationship. She doesn't have a good relationship with her brother. Now, that's another way to say they don't get along very well. So maybe they are, uh, they've become quite distant. They're not exactly close anymore. The next one, dating. Dating. Again, this is something, an older term in English for dating would be courting. But if you ever see courting, it's not used that much in the United States anymore. You might hear uh, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, he is courting her. It means he's trying to marry her. Right now, we talk more about dating. And you can actually go on a date. A lot of these words can be nouns or they can be verbs. A couple. That's another one. A couple. Now, sometimes we use it not in dating. So a couple of idiots just ran a red light. There's nothing to do with love or relationships there. This is talking about traffic and a car. You know, there's a green light. Green means go. Red means stop. If a car doesn't stop, they have run a red light. So if you hear a couple of something, that's different. But if you hear they are a couple, means they are romantic. They are in love. Let's practice shadowing that sentence again. A couple of idiots just ran a red light. So hopefully you know what running a red light is. Idiot is not a, not a very nice person. Dumb. A dumb person. But we could have something like they are related by marriage. They are related by marriage. Let's say there are two people and maybe they have uh, uh, one person has a father and the other person has a mother. So we're talking about two different people with a mother and a father. Now, if those two people get married, the two kids, they could be related by marriage. They might be stepbrother and stepsister. Related by blood is a little different. Those are brothers and sisters. They are related by blood. Mothers and sons, mothers and daughters, that kind of relationship, that would be related by blood. So they share some sort of DNA. I have another sentence there for you. Rebecca and Sandra are related by marriage. So maybe they have a sister who married another guy, and so they might be sister-in-laws. I'm not getting into the actual names of relatives in this. A little bit more focus on the love, but I do believe there will be a part two for love and relationship here. So many terms, so many terms. So remember, a couple 
They are two people who are dating. They are a couple. They are possibly in love. The next one you probably know, that is marriage. That's when things get real. So that is when a couple decides to take the plunge. You might hear that term when two people decide to get married. They have decided to take the plunge and get married. So in that picture, you will see there are two rings. Rings are often symbolic of marriage. I think many cultures use rings to symbolize two people being married. I actually have uh, my wedding ring on right now. I never take it off. That symbolizes that I am married to Jamie. I believe she is in the chat somewhere. And that piece of paper on that picture is called a marriage certificate. A marriage certificate. When you get married, you have to go down to the courthouse in the United States and you have to fill out some papers to show the government that you are married. And then they can charge you different types of taxes because you are married. Here's another sentence that you might want to practice shadowing with. They are going to get married in June of next year. So currently we are in 2021, the year 2021. So when you want to talk about June of 2022, June is a good month to get married. And also because the weather is usually pretty good. January, not a lot of people in the United States get married in January, or February or March. Jamie and I decided to get married in May, which is a nice, nice month. But if somebody was going to get married next year and you want to talk about the month, you could say it like that sentence below. They are going to get married in June of next year. That lets people know that it is June 2022. Let's see. What's the next term here? Ride. So the next two terms, they go together. So if a woman is getting married, we might call her a bride. A bride. I think I might have a, a couple sentences here using... Oh, yeah. Here we go. Want to practice shadowing here? This is maybe for a woman who has not yet been married. She is going to make a beautiful bride. So maybe a couple people are talking, maybe some women, maybe her mother is talking. Oh, I can't wait until her wedding day. She is going to make a beautiful bride. It means she's going to look very lovely on her wedding day. The next one here is groom. Groom. I'm hoping that's a new term because they're related to two other terms in English. If you look at the sentence below, after the wedding, the groom becomes a husband and a bride becomes a wife. Yeah. 
Let's see here. You know, I'm looking. There should be a comma there. I missed a comma. Okay. I feel better now. There's a comma there. That That is grammatically correct now. After the wedding, the groom becomes a husband and a bride becomes a wife. All right. Groom, bride, on their wedding day, af- <clears throat> excuse me, after the ceremony is over, we might say a wedding ceremony. You might hear that term, wedding ceremony. After the ceremony, the bride is now a wife and the groom is a husband. It's pretty much only on their wedding day you will hear those terms or maybe before they get married. Engagement. Engagement. So the next two are also related. Proposal and engagement. These might be new words for you. They can also be verbs too. We could change engagement to engaged. Here's a sample sentence. She is engaged. Another typo. This is, this is unprofessional here. What the heck? This is better. This is better. She is engaged to him. When we talk about engagement or we talk about engaged, that is when, let's see, where is it? That is when a couple, they no longer are dating. They have made a promise to each other to get married. So there's a time between dating and marriage, and we call that being engaged, an engagement period. You can see the tradition right here would be for the man to get down on one knee and present the woman with a ring. Now, when uh, Jamie and I got married, I did not get down on one knee. And 2021, almost 2022, in the United States, it has been legal for a long time that it does not have to be just a man marrying a woman. That is the traditional way, but it's not the only way. This picture I have is of a man proposing to a woman, but so I think of the next one now, but um, it's possible the woman could propose to the man or a woman could propose to a woman, totally legal in the United States. Engagement, their engagement lasted six months. So there is a period between dating and marriage that we call engagement. Their engagement lasted six months. That could be pretty typical in the United States. I think the average time of engagement would be about six months to a year. The next one, proposal. These two terms are very much related. We can also change this to proposed to make it a verb. He proposed to her back in their hometown. So when I wrote this example sentence, I thought of two people 
maybe living in a town for college, but the guy wanted to make it special. Maybe that when they went back home on vacation or a break from college, he decided to propose to her back in their hometown. If you want to practice shadowing that sentence, of course, if you if you haven't subscribed yet, come on, what are you waiting for? Don't forget, subscribe. Fiance. Fiance. This can be pretty difficult or it can be pretty easy. What I want to do is make this as easy as possible for you. So I have an article that I found. There are two different spellings for fiancé, but we pretty much only use one of them now. We'll get to that in a minute. But a fiancé is what you call another person if you are engaged to them, but you are not yet married. And here you can see this woman is proposing to the man. It happens. It's not tradition, but you know, some traditions are made to be broken. So fiance, I spelled it with two E's there. You will also see it spelled with one E. The good news is they're pronounced the same way. Fiance, fiance. And let's take a look at this article here, though. If you are ever confused about which one you should use, I've highlighted this right there. So especially given the increased social awareness of non-binary gender issues, when you see non-binary, that means there are some people who don't identify as a man or as a woman, or sometimes they identify as a man, sometimes they identify as a woman. You might also hear gender fluid. Because in English, we are trying to get away from words that have gender. Instead of a policeman, we say uh, an officer or a police officer or a police person. So trying to take the um, waiter, how about somebody who brings you your food, waiter, that waitress, male and female gender, you might hear server. The same is with fiance. I think the most common spelling now would be with one E, but if you want to put another E on there, that's fine too. And uh, you can see right here that it feels a bit old-fashioned and out of date if you have any difference between fiancé and fiancé. Same pronunciation. You can just use this one right here, fiancé, if you would like, for both a man and a woman. So I didn't want anybody to be confused when they were looking up this word. The two E's is fine. It usually refers to a woman, but it's not a big deal if you add the extra E and it only matters if you're writing it, right? So fiance, that is what you call a person who has been engaged to marry another person. 
fiance. She is his fiance. She is his fiance. And it is tradition also in the United States to ask the father of the bride permission to marry his daughter. That's the tradition. But there are also some people that say, hey, a woman doesn't need to get the permission of a man to do anything. So there's a difference between what is traditional and, you know, what is more modern. We have something called relative. This can get a little tricky. I didn't want to get too much into uncle, aunt, great grandfather, but you could have relatives. I have mentioned this in this lesson already. You could have a relative by marriage or you could have a relative by blood. You will actually hear that. So if two people share the same DNA, like a father and a son, a brother and a sister, a mother and a son, mother and a daughter, you will hear they are related by blood. They're related by blood. Or they might be related by marriage. That's when you have sister-in-laws, brothers. The the plural is actually brothers-in-law, sisters-in-law, a mother-in-law. We will get to that probably in another lesson. But I did want you to know the term relative, which is a noun, but I have a sentence, but we could talk about related. They are related. You'll hear that as well. And that is a verb. So check out this sentence. They are not related by blood. They are related by marriage. They are not related by blood. They are related by marriage. The next one is the distant relative, distant relative. So these are people that are not exactly in your family that you see often. You might hear terms like second or third cousin. Those are people that are not related to you in a close way. Maybe you've never met them. But somewhere down the line, you are slightly related by blood. Maybe you share a little DNA. Distant relative. You might hear that. Distant relative. When you go to a family reunion. There are so many terms that I could have put in this lesson. Distant relative. These are not brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts. They might be second cousins. They might be great uncles. Those are some terms we use for distant relatives. And there is that verb, related. They are related. You might hear, they are distant cousins. Yes, they are related, but they don't share a lot of DNA. And we already talked about siblings. So here are a couple sentences that I hope will help with some terms 
we use for relatives. But in part two, we will go into more detail. But your cousin is a child of an uncle or an aunt. Your cousin is a child of an uncle or an aunt. These are relatives. Well, you may ask, what's an aunt? Maybe you know this already, but your aunt is your mother or your father's sister. And in English, we will usually take the first name and add uncle or aunt to it. For example, I do have some nieces and nephews, and they might call me Uncle Brent. Since my first name is Brent, they might call me Uncle Brent and Aunt Jamie. Aunt Jamie. Certain parts of the U.S., you will hear the pronunciation ant, just like the animal, ant. Uncle. Your uncle is your mother or your father's brother. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. And a sibling can be either a brother or a sister. So I want to thank you all for joining. Uh, Maybe you need to watch this again. Thank you all for joining and I'll see you real soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, vocabulary list number four. We've done this a lot, right? You know the drill. You can find the link to the synonyms, antonyms. It's all right on Google Classroom. Also, the list is right here. Um, I forgot how many words. Uh, 13, maybe, something like that. 10, only 10, only 10. So you're picking eight. So you might have that sheet in front of you right now. You might be able to get that out of the way as I go through these 10. You just need eight. So let's take a look at the first one. It is pronounced obsolete, obsolete. And you can see the definition right there, out of date, no longer in use. So one thing that I think we could say, I think we could say, although a lot of people are holding on to them, but like the, the house phone, you know, as long as every member of the house has a cell phone. Well, that's pretty common these days. The house phone might be obsolete. Like why, why do you need a house phone? Um, In this, at least in Lewis and Auburn. Okay. Maybe in other parts of the country, not so, but like the horse and buggy, you know, how people used to get around a while ago. That's obsolete. People have cars. We have buses, taxis much quicker. So if, a piece of technology has made it just useless, like you just don't need it. Another word for that is obsolete. Think about Blu-rays. So when I was younger, it was like a VHS, right? If I wanted to watch a movie, it's one of those rectangular things. 
nobody uses that anymore. Then it became DVDs. And they looked like CDs. You see, they're, they're all obsolete right now. Everything digital. You can stream it. You can stream your music. You can stream movies. All that uh, <clears throat> physical stuff is obsolete. Next one is one of my favorites. Don't worry about that ad there. William Sonoma. Apathy is the next one. Lack of interest or emotion. Well, I've been teaching middle school long enough to know that a lot of middle school students are apathetic. So apathetic is the adjective to describe people. Apathy is what you have. So um, I hope this isn't the case for you, but you may have apathy towards English class. Means you just you just don't care. You don't care. Apathetic is the way to describe you, but if you have it, it's apathy. So the student was very apathetic towards English class. The student had apathy towards English class. Hope that's not true. Probably it is though, right? Middle school. Come on. You have better things to think about than English class. Video games. Guys, girls, you know, whatever you're into. School for a lot of people is pretty low on the list, unfortunately. Not not all, though. Not all. all right, the next one is, <clears throat> let me make it bigger because it's a, it's a weird one. Starts the P, but we pronounce that word pseudonym. Pseudonym. And what is it? It's a fake name. Mostly used by authors. Okay. My favorite, oh, I don't have any of his books around here. Um, my favorite author, Stephen King, right? Love Stephen King. Love The Stand, love The Green Mile, so many. But for a couple of years, back in uh, like the 1980s, he wrote under a pseudonym. The name he chose was Richard Bachman. So a lot of people, if they want to remain anonymous, <clears throat> man, in the morning, I'm still dealing with that sickness. Um, having to clear my throat a lot. So a pseudonym, uh, anytime somebody uses a fake name, sometimes you'll hear a pen name, but a pseudonym is a fake name. Um, let's say there's a famous like musician. Who's the most famous? I don't even know. Rihanna. I heard she has a lot of Instagram followers, <clears throat> Billie Eilish or whatever. So let's say they're playing a concert in Dallas. But if you're Rihanna and you check into a hotel, all of your fans will know, wait, wait, Rihanna's staying there? So a lot of times they use pseudonyms to, step, to check into hotels so people don't know it's them. Fake name, pseudonym, that's all that is. Next one, oh, belligerent, belligerent. And that means hostile or aggressive. So like very angry. And one of the first ways I hear belligerent used is when you're talking about a belligerent drunk. <clears throat> and drop by drop, we've been talking about Brenda. Maybe maybe she is getting drunk. She did sneak some wine, right? But if when someone drinks a lot and they get really angry and they want to fight, we would call them a belligerent drunk. Belligerent can be an adjective. Or it can be the way to like call that person. They are belligerent. That would still be the adjective. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's always an adjective. So um, another way is oh, Karens of the world, the Karens of the world who I want to see that manager, you know, they might be belligerent, getting aggressive. What do you mean? You didn't give me my fries with my order. I want my fries. Let me get all, get all mad. Belligerent. Okay. Hostile, aggressive. The next one, <clears throat> I think it's a review. Universal. Universal. Anytime you see uni, U-N-I, think of one. Well, we might have a, luckily I don't, but a unibrow. Unicorn. Uniform. So let's take McDonald's, right? Everybody works there. They should be wearing the same thing. They're all wearing like one thing. Uniform. Military, police officers. Uniform. <clears throat> Luckily, teachers don't have a uniform. I can wear this shirt today. Yesterday, I wore, you know, a sweatshirt. We don't have to all dress the same. But universal also means one. So often, what's our um, our definition is throughout the world, throughout the world. So often, that means everyone thinks the same way. Again, this is review. But I think the example I used before was, a universal thought was COVID pretty much is crap, right? Nobody likes COVID. I don't think anybody thinks COVID did a good thing for the world. So it's universally known that COVID is bad. Um, what about like gun control? Gun control uh, in the United States. That's not a universal thought. Some people think there should be gun control. Others believe that there shouldn't. So it only can be universal if everyone feels the same way more or less universal um in this country there has been talk of universal health care which we don't have some people have insurance some people don't so not everybody has it universal but um <laughs> we we talked about uh cannibalism in some classes a few days ago guess what cannibalism Throughout the whole world, that's a universal thought that can, cannibalism, it's bad. Don't do it. Don't eat people. I don't think I have to say that, right? Everybody knows that. It's universal. Everybody knows that. The next one, cooperate. Cooperate. We're often, well, let's read the definition. To support with evidence. And it's often when two people get together. <clears throat> so let's talk about crime. Let's talk about crime. Let's say there was a um, mm, mm, there was a hit and run in some classes. I think it's the first class, class uh, B, a class B. Um, we were talking about somebody, a student, witnessing a, a hit and run. So what they will try to do to figure out what happened is they will ask a lot of eyewitnesses, and hopefully those eyewitnesses will corroborate each other's information so cooperate it just it's so we've had the word didn't we have collaborate no maybe we haven't had collaborate yet but collaborate collaborate is working together cooperate it means there's information being tied together okay cooperate often used in legal terms but to support with evidence think eyewitnesses cooperate Hey, they can cooperate their evidence to make a stronger case. 
okay? Bringing things together. Hopefully that helps. The next one, simultaneous. <clears throat> and a lot of times you'll hear simultaneously. That means definition happening at the same time. Simultaneously happening at the same time. So I don't know if this could ever happen. I guess it could. But let's say you're sitting in class, which I think you are right now. And then at the end of the day, there's a, a little tone that comes on to let everybody know they're calling the buses. Best time of the day, right? But what if at the same time, the fire drill started going off, the fire alarm started going off. At the exact same time, <clears throat> we could say the tone for buses and the fire drill went off simultaneously. Big word there simultaneously so anything any any time that things are happening at the same time oh everybody's favorite topic nwa testing oh yeah so last week everybody was testing simultaneously then so we often add that ly <clears throat> to describe how something is being done okay it was all happening simultaneously hard word to say hope that helps Again, if you have any questions about any of these words, let me know. But what I'm doing is going through, giving definitions, giving examples. If you're watching this on your own, you can always pause it, right? Bisect. <clears throat> years ago, I always talk about old stories, right? I never did this. But years ago in science class, they might dissect frogs dissect if you think about that it's it's cutting up but it's multiple cuts multiple cuts when you see by bi think two bicycle has two wheels going back to uni unicycle has one wheel so bisect bisect if you look at the definition right here to divide into two equal parts that is the thing. I got a cough here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, that's the thing. So two, that's the big thing. So dissect, it means, you know, at least at least one, but it could be multiple. Bisect, it's to, to divide into two equal parts. If you look at that uh, pair right there, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and measure it to make sure they're exactly equal. This isn't a uh, math class or anything. But when it's cut in half and you have two equal parts, bisect. Sometimes there is a highway that needs to be built. And sometimes the government has to buy somebody's house. Because if not, the highway might bisect their house, like just go right through it. So a lot of times the government will offer a fair price for the house and the land so they don't have to completely divide the house into two, bisect, going right through. Two equal parts. Hopefully that helps. The next one, chronologically. Chronologically. Ranged in order of time. So we all live our life chronologically from beginning to end. There are some movies, if there are a lot of flashbacks, it might not be told in a chronological order. Uh, at one time, and I don't know, I don't think it is anymore, but social studies class, Mr. Bim's class, if you're talking about history, it was often 
taught chronologically, starting with the, the beginning of the United States all the way up to present day. Right. Probably cover the Vietnam War. Right. That's an inside joke for one class. The Vietnam, not that the Vietnam War is a joke. That is not a joke. But in one class, it has been a running joke for a couple of days. Chronological order. From beginning of, t- well, time. Time is the big thing. Chronological, it always has something to do with time. So from beginning to end when talking about time. Okay? Hopefully that helps. So um, you might say something like, um, well, let's say a trial again. I don't know why I'm thinking all about trials, but they might go, if you ever have a timeline, that would be told in chronological order. So, or it could be told chronologically. So the, the, the trial trying to prove that this crime was committed, they might go through it exactly in chronological order. How did it start? What happened in the middle? How did it end? Chronological order. Next one, reverberate, reverberate. Let's make that a little bigger. <clears throat> it means to be repeated as in a series of echoes or vibrations. All right. A lot of times major historical events, like what has happened? Let's talk about sports. We talked about sports in a while. Tom Brady, we'll go back to him. I'm sure at least everybody has heard of Tom Brady. Okay. Well, if you think back to the day he announced, I'm leaving the Patriots, that news, it reverberated throughout New England. It echoed. Everyone was talking about, oh, did you hear about that? Think about, I almost think about like when you drop a rock into a pond and you have all those ripples. So it will reverberate, reverberate. So there's one central thing that happens and then... And then kind of like that, it affects a whole lot of people. Um, you know, a death in the community. Maybe a famous actor that everybody loved and they just died way too soon. You know, the news would reverberate throughout the nation. Um, I think of uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, Black Panther, young guy. Seemed like he had his whole life in front of him, nobody knew that he was battling, was it cancer? And when he died, you know, a lot of people who like Marvel movies and whatever, it was like, it, there was a shock and it was like reverberating throughout that culture. Hope that's clear. Hope that's clear. Next one. That's it. What do you know? Done. So hopefully with all that, you're like, look at this. Vocabulary number four study guide, I'm done. Pass it in. Here you go. All right. I don't know how much time is left in class. What? What do you think? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Please, as I always say, use the rest of the time wisely. All right. Adios, amigos. All right. We're live. How is everyone doing? Hope the internet holds up. We are having a little bit of weather that I will talk about, but I don't think it's going to affect us today. So for the next hour, basically, what I'm going to do is uh, take all the questions that you have. So get your questions ready, questions about learning English, American culture, things like that. 
Welcome, everyone. Looks like Freddie Wolf is here. Hey, France is in the house. Amina is in the house. Yeah, and Jamie is my wife. She's a little busy right now. She is going to join a stream at some point. Maybe over our vacation. We have a winter vacation coming up in a couple weeks. And she may join, but I'm not sure. Not sure. It's a busy time of the year, isn't it? Hey, Italy's in the house. Welcome. Yeah, so let me talk a little bit about the weather. Get your questions ready. Just put them in the chat. We usually have 30, 40 people in here. So the chat doesn't fill up too much, too much. But uh, one of the English phrasal verbs, I know those are so difficult. So what I want to do is uh, tell a little story with phrasal verb bring down in it. Bring down, okay? So the weather outside right now, we're not getting snow. We're not getting rain. We're not getting wind. We're getting ice. And where I live, that's the most dangerous type of weather. And the thing that worries me is that the roads are going to get slippery. And even if you have snow tires, that doesn't really help when there is ice. And where bring down comes in, I'm worried that the ice might bring down the power lines. So when the ice builds up, oh no, that's another, that's another phrasal verb, right? Builds up. So when the ice starts falling, it builds up and it just keeps getting thicker and thicker. So as the ice builds up, I'm worried that it's going to bring down some of our power lines and we might lose power. We might lose electricity and then it might get really cold in my house. But we're supposed to get two tenths of an inch of ice. So it's unlikely that the power lines will be brought down. Ooh, brought down. It's a little, it's an irregular verb, bring. I, I need to do a deep dive on bring. It's unlikely that two-tenths of an inch of ice will bring down the power lines. But I think the roads are going to be slippery. And my daughter does have to go out. But hopefully everything will be good. I think it will be good. I think it will be good. Oscar's here. Hey, I'm doing really well. I have a Saturday where I actually don't have a lot to do. Usually my Saturdays and my Sundays are very busy, but Cecilia's in the house. How are you? What is this? This looks like it could be, is it spam? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But I'm uh, not sure what that says in there. Looks like it might be in Arabic, but... Uh, I saw the YT for YouTuber, so I don't know if that was that, but hey, welcome. Are you a gamer? Maybe you're a gamer who wants to learn English. Well, you're from Palestine. Welcome from Palestine. And Armenia's in the house. Welcome. Barack, how are you? Let's see. I'm looking. Okay, let's see. It looks like we got some phrasal verb questions here. Yeah, in that last phrasal verb video I made about fall, Halfway through the video, I said, I am so glad I know English. English is hard. The phrasal verbs. 
All right. Do okay. Since we only have one phrasal verb there, I'm gonna change that to does. Okay. Does the phrasal verb do in mean to kill? Thank you for your clarification. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, it could mean that, or it could just mean to end something. Okay. Um, man, McDonald's. This is not a, a commercial for McDonald's, but there's something about those salty fries that really gets me. I really like eating those salty fries, but they might do me in, you know, it might, uh, they're not healthy. That's for sure. And that might be the death of me. You might also hear that too, might be the death of me, but they, they might do me in. Um, but we also can use that as just for something that you might give up like, Oh, this, I have so much work to do this week. It might do me in. So, you know, where it doesn't literally mean kill you, but it just means to make your life really tough. So yes, both work. We use both of those. Hey, how are you? Welcome. Welcome. LIS, how are you? In Scotland, there are big plastic boxes on the sidewalk that contain salt grit. I get the salt bit. I know. All right. If, um, yeah, Scottish is a difficult accent for Americans to hear. Most of the time, the Scottish accent is really difficult. But if something has grit to it, two things, okay? Grit, it could be tough. So if you're walking, watching a soccer match or a football match, maybe one team is really gritty, really gritty. They have a lot of grit. They never give up. But another definition we use for grit, it's the opposite of slippery. Um, and you might also hear something like grip. It will give you good grip. Slightly different word there. Grip. So I'm um, I'm gripping the microphone right now. It, it's it's me. It's not to squeeze because that might hurt it. But if it grip, you mean it? You squeeze a little bit just so you can move it. So get a grip. Get a grip. So yeah, you might hear that, but if something is gritty, um, sand is often gritty sand. We might say that. So if you go to the beach and you get some sand in your shorts and you start walking away, it might feel a little gritty <laughs> on your legs as you're walking. Hey, Aroni, Aroni is here. I was, um, it was my mother's birthday this past this past week, she turned 75 and I called her and Aroni, he wished her a happy birthday. And she said, oh, it's so nice. And I told my mom that you might be coming for 4th of July. So she was pretty happy about that. When we have 4th of July during normal times, 4th of July, the, the 4th of July party is at her house. So it might be at her house. Uh, this year. Not sure. Hopefully things will be back to normal. I see a lot of people in here saying hello to other people and myself. So hello, Madi. Madi. Meg is here. Sita's here. Brazil's in the house. Welcome everyone. Fatima, how are you? 
Mm, looking for some questions here, Manuel. It's good to see you too. All right, let's see. Grammar question. Grammar question. Sunshine from Armenia. I'm bored being bored. Is this grammatically correct? I wonder. Well, it sounds right to me. You have your verb there. You have an adjective describing how you feel. Um, if it's not grammatically correct, I don't see why it wouldn't be. But um, that it's exactly uh, makes sense. Uh, you might hear that quite a bit here in the United States. It just means like you're really bored. You've been bored a long time and you're bored from being bored. Yeah. So... I don't know about grammatically correct, but, um, you know, most English native English speakers, we aren't grammatically correct all the time. Things change. You know, we're not always looking at our grammar books. In fact, I haven't looked at a English grammar book in probably 30 years. So there's one thing I would warn you about is always worrying about being grammatically correct because we have something in English that we call poetic license. You, you probably have something that's a lot like poetic license in your language. And it just means if it sounds kind of cool, which I'm tired or I'm bored of being bored, you'll also hear I'm tired of being tired. Um, it's just it, if it works, it works. So who cares? It may not be grammatically correct. It does sound like it, but. Ah, who cares? Yeah, I worry about people trying to be like perfect and it slows down their speech. You know, they're too busy in their head thinking about what they want to say when native English speakers are probably not grammatically correct every five sentences or so. We use a lot of double negatives. I'm sure your English teachers are telling you not to use double negatives things like that. Lots of listening. You're getting your listening in right now, listening to me, but I am not thinking about making everything grammatically correct. I am thinking about making everything clear and not too fast, but grammatically correct. Oh, grammar. You, if you've been with this channel for any length of time, you know I find grammar to be very boring. I like Lots and lots of listening. Lots and lots of lots and lots of listening. Let's see. Anywat. Hey, glad you could be here. Welcome. Thank you for being a channel member, by the way. Hey, Brent. I've heard that a tornado touches down in Kentucky. Have you ever had an experience? Ever had experience? Have you ever experienced a tornado before? I have, actually. Yeah, so a tornado touched down. We might say that. Touched down. If you're watching American football, one way to score is a touchdown. But tornadoes can touch down as well. Sometimes a tornado will form above the ground and never touch down. So if this is the ground and this is the tornado... It actually means it touches the ground. And that's where uh, serious damage could happen. The experience that I have with the tornado is one where it didn't touch down. But Jamie and I were living in Alabama. 
Alabama is a little further south than Kentucky. And I, I lived there for seven years. Jamie lived there until she turned 27, I think. So she has had many more experiences with tornadoes than I have had. That's a pretty complicated sentence, right? The tenses comparing. So she has had many more experiences with tornadoes than I have had. But one that I had in real life, like while I was living it, is that we, every time there's a tornado warning, there's a siren that goes off. So the whole town hears it. And that is our cue to go to the basement if you have one. If you don't have a basement, find the bathroom because that's usually the smallest room in your house. Get in the bathtub, put a mattress over you. That's what people say to do to protect yourself from a tornado. In the house that I was living in, we had a basement. So we went down into the basement. One thing you'll hear when people describe a tornado going through their town, passing by their house, going over their house, going through their house, is that it sounds like a train. And we heard that sound. But luckily, the tornado did not touch down. It did not damage anything near my neighborhood. So we think that the funnel, the funnel cloud above us, that's what we call it. It passed over us, but it never touched down. So there have been other times where both of Jamie's grandmothers have lost houses because of tornadoes, like destroyed. The most powerful tornado is an F5. That's how they measure tornadoes, F1, F2, F5. And both of her grandmothers have had houses destroyed by F5s. So I've been to the site after a tornado, but that's the closest I have come to having a tornado touch down where, where I'm near. All right. Used in tennis. I did not know that. Get a grip. Get a grip. So if somebody is overreacting, if let's say... Ooh, I'm going to use weather again, just, just because it's snowy out right now. Okay. But let's say we have an inch of snow. Now, if you live where I live, an inch of snow should not slow you down. You should be able to go to the store in an inch of snow. So maybe my friend is saying, oh my gosh, we have snow. I, I, I can't leave my house. I might say, get a grip. Get a grip. It's only an inch of snow. You can leave your house. Just be careful. Just be careful. Yeah, get a grip. So if somebody is going crazy, say, hey, get a grip. Get a grip. Yeah, that's an idiom right there. But it literally means like get a hold of yourself. You might hear that too. Get a hold of yourself. All right, let's see. Barack, is grip the same as grab? Ooh, this is a great question. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's see. Um, so I have a water bottle here. I'm gripping it pretty. 
I'm gripping it pretty tightly. And in fact, I'm almost squeezing it. Can you hear it? So I'm gripping it pretty tightly. If I squeezed it, it would be like that. A, a grab though is more like this. So maybe my son is trying to get away from me and I might grab his sweatshirt. You know, if I can get a grip on him, I will stop him. He's getting too big. I can't stop him anymore. But, you know, if he was trying to run away from me or whatever, we were playing around, I might try to grab at his sweatshirt. That's me grabbing right now. I'm just trying to get a grip. Now, if I can get a grip, I'll hold on and I won't let go. So little difference between the, the two. It's a great question, though. I never thought of that. I hope I explained that correctly. If anybody needs further explanation, let me know. Grip, grab. Usually the grab comes before the grip if something is moving, okay? Um, let's say you're in a bus and you might, the, you know that the, and you have to stand up and there are handles that you hold and you might, uh, you might have, uh, you might want to take a grip on one of them right before it stops so you don't go flying back. Grip. Hope that, hope that, Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Abu Ba. Welcome. I know Abu Ba has been uh, very busy studying. It's good to see you here. Ah, right here. Kate Mega. No. Good question. Uh, movie dialogues. Grammatically correct. I will tell you that no. Most movie dialogues, they, they don't worry about grammar as much as they worry about making the dialogue sound real. So dialogue, anytime you see that, it's speaking between at least two people. So when you hear dialogue, it's speaking. So um, I think they want to make it sound as real as possible. So they're, it's not going to be grammatically correct. Nope. Good question. Hey, how are you today? Speak English with Vanessa. She uploaded a video about American stereotypes. I saw the thumbnail and I want to watch that. I think she also speak English with Vanessa. Check her channel out. Um, we worked together one time. It was a lot of fun. She's, she's super nice. I've uh, spoken with her off camera once um super nice um she did one on i think clothing too her videos are long in-depth good stuff um she said that americans never travel and they're very patriotic um yeah so be careful about you know stereotypes because i think anytime you talk about stereotypes there are so many other people that aren't like that but um, hmm. I don't know what I don't I would have to watch the video, I think. But I do know there are a lot of Americans who like to travel and travel outside of the country. I'm one American who likes to travel outside of the country when I can. One thing that might be tough is traveling outside of the United States because, you know, our country is so big. I think it's the fourth biggest country 
in the world. So to go from where I live to California, it's like a five hour plane ride or probably five, six, seven days of traveling by car. So, um, some Americans are patriotic if they're and you know, if they're, if they are a Republican, they're probably very patriotic. And if they are, um, a Democrat, they might be a different kind of patriotic. So that's a tough one, but I would caution anytime you talk about stereotypes and you're talking about 300 million people, they're always going to be exceptions, but yeah, I mean, more or less, more or less. Hey, sunshine, you're welcome. You're welcome. In Portuguese, we can also say lots of double negatives. Grammar is a nightmare in every language. Yeah, and I think, the Sita, I think she brings up a great point. It is a nightmare in every language. And if you think about your own language, you probably don't speak grammatically correct most of the time because you're so comfortable with your own language. So don't worry so much about grammar. If you do lots of listening, lots of reading, you will just pick up on the grammar rules, the ones that can be broken, pick up, pick up. It's another way we say you'll just understand over time. Yeah, you'll just you'll just pick it up. So Adi, Adi the tie. Thanks for becoming a member. I uh I saw your comments earlier that you were going to be here. Don't worry about being late. We just started 20 minutes ago. It's all right. You can always watch on the replay. Hey, a big shout out to anybody watching on replay. How you doing? Or listening on the podcast? Welcome. Hello, teacher Brent. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm from India. Hope all well, all is going well in India. How can I build up? Ooh, English phrasal verb. How can I build up a vocabulary and how can I involve my speaking, evolve my speaking skills? Could you please tell me? Thanks a ton. Well, the answer I always have lots and lots of listening. So if you stick with this video for the hour or more, you're going to get lots of listening into your ears. You'll understand the language even better. Now, this week, I think I am going to come out with a video on how to find a language partner. Some free options, some not so free options that you might have to pay. But I found some of my Italian speaking partners on an app called Hello Talk. And it's free. You can find lots of people there. Now, it gets a little complicated because if you don't speak a language that native English speakers are wanting to learn, it can be more difficult. That's if you want to find a native English speaker. The thing about native English speakers, they are probably going to speak more authentically, right? Right, More correctly because they live the language. So if you're a native French speaker, if you're a native Spanish speaker, if you're a native Portuguese speaker, native Japanese speaker, a native Korean speaker, um, there might be a couple that I'm forgetting, but Americans, the Brits, Canadians, 
those are language German. Those are languages that a lot of native English speakers are looking to learn. Uh, Chinese is becoming popular as well. I don't think there are many people in the chat from China just because it's so hard. You need a VPN, but um, I will come out with a, a video on finding a language partner who is more likely to find a language partner, but you can always find a non-native English speaking partner. And that might be, that might be good too. But when it comes to learning languages, I do think the native English speakers are a little more desired. If you look on italki, you are going to pay more for a native English teacher. It's just the way it is somebody who lives that language, but you can get some really good deals with some good teachers that are not. And you can, you can also find a language partner where you can do a language exchange. I'll talk about that in the video too, but maybe you set up a time, Hey, for half an hour, we're going to speak my language for half an hour. We're going to speak your language. Okay. And if that's, or that's the bonus about finding a non-native English speaker to be your partner, you could speak the whole time in English. So I hope that what's that elbow cough? <clears throat> what does that mean? Elbow cough. Maybe that was an emoji. Sometimes it gets changed when, uh, <laughs> when I, when I get to this part here, cause I'm using, uh, I'm using StreamYard. using Streamyard. Good reminder to hydrate. Hey, Miho's here. I miss Miho. Hey, there she is. Hey, what's up? Hope all is well in Japan. All right, Freddie Wolf. Is this a question for me? Ah, I would ask about the phrasal verb with brush. Could you tell me whether airbrush is another phrasal verb or just a word? Freddie, did you miss, did you miss my lesson? The deep dive we did on brush? I did talk about airbrush. So no, I don't think airbrush would be a phrasal verb. I did mention that in the middle of that really long lesson on brush. Yeah, you should check that out. It's a good one. It's a good one. But airbrush, um, I think can be an adjective. So you could say, I have an airbrushed t-shirt and I do have a picture of that in the video and, um, airbrush can be a verb. So, um, if you're on vacation somewhere and it's a very touristy spot, a place where a lot of tourists go, that's not an easy word to say, is it? Tourist, tourist, they might airbrush a t-shirt for you. So that would be a verb, but I don't, I don't think we would call that a phrasal verb. Nope. Look at that. Going back to grit, learn Italian with songs. Yeah sandpaper it's really gritty so if you're going to use that um an adjective if you want to know something that is gritty sandpaper gritty Mari says i don't think tornadoes come in the winter season no that's correct however in warmer parts of the united states tornadoes are likely in december and they're likely in march and april because Tornadoes really like it when the weather is cold and warm. We call them fronts. Like if there's a cold front and a warm front, 
that's where a whole bunch of air is either cold or warm. And when those two fronts mix, that's what causes the rotation. So this is not a, a weather lesson, but cold front, warm front, when those two clash, maybe a good verb for you, when they bump into each other, that can cause tornadoes. So it's usually right at the beginning of winter and right at the end of winter. That's when you have to watch out for tornadoes. I think that experience uh, a tornado is the worst thing you can experience. Well, I have been around tornadoes and it is pretty bad. Um, one time when my wife and I went to her grandmother's house, there is just nowhere to go to the bathroom. Like we were there cleaning up and you know, if you had to use the bathroom, the, all the food was rotten now. So you had to go somewhere that had running water. Um, there were soldiers where you had to check in to get into the neighborhood. Check in. That's another phrasal verb. Because they were worried about people stealing other people's stuff. And you might say, well, Brent, you could just go to the bathroom behind a tree. Nobody will see you there. No, there weren't any more trees. They were gone. It, it was It was crazy. I hope never to experience a tornado again. Ario has a question. Oh, is this the same one? I think I already answered this one. All right. And uh, what's this here? Why is it easier for Somalis or other countries to understand the American accent? And it is harder for them to understand the British accent. I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that American movies, American TV shows, American singers, there are just so many of us. There are like 300 million Americans. Throw in, another phrasal verb, throw in Canadians. I think there are 30 million of them. We speak very similarly. Oh my gosh, that's a hard word, right? I didn't know if I would be able to say it correctly similarly yeah i shouldn't have even tried another time that's a hard one similarly um you know we just have so many more people so much more media coming out of this country you know little old england how many people live in england like i'm gonna guess 50 million okay but but we can ask mr google mr google here or do you want to call her mrs google I'm just going to put in England because Scotland. Oh, what? I did not even plan for this. I did not even plan for this. Do you remember what I guessed? I guessed 50 million. Look at this. 55 million. Well, almost 56 million. So I was off by, I was off by 6 million. So the United States, I think, has 330 million. Little old England, they only have 60 million. So the world is just full of the American accent already. So I think that's why you are more likely to hear an American accent than a British accent. So I, I think just my opinion. Hey, 
Constantine, yeah, I forgot about that. I need to thank everyone here because you have subscribed to the channel. So 7,000 subscribers. It feels good when I saw that. So thank you, Constantine. And I must thank you for being a channel member. Thank you so much. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. Alex watched watched lots of gangster movies. And they always say something like, yeah, it don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. There's a very famous saying from one of my favorite movies, The Godfather. And um, they use an idiom. When somebody dies, they say, oh, yeah, he sleeps with the fishes. He sleeps with the fishes. Like the plural of fish is fish. So they're not they're not going to change the grammar to make it sound, you know, to be grammatically perfect. Yeah, he sleeps with the fish. I sleep with the fishes. Sleep with the fishes. You don't you don't want to you don't want to sleep with the fishes. Wait, what? Hang on. It's actually the fifth biggest country, the United States. Hmm, why do I think the fifth largest country is Brazil? You know what? We can we can ask Mr. Google. Mrs. Google is never wrong. Let's see, fifth biggest country in the world. Look at that. And the internet never lies. Let's look at this. Look at this. Right here. Hang on. Where are you? Come on. The fifth biggest country is Brazil. I can't find what the fourth biggest country, but I think it's I think it's the US. Mr. Google, don't let me down. Don't let me down. Let's let's look for another one here. What about the fourth biggest? I'm thinking it's the US. If not, Alex, I owe you an apology. Alex, look at that, my friend. Huh? Huh? Maybe you were talking to someone else. Yeah. So the United States is the, uh, look at Russia. Hey, anybody from Russia? How are you? Biggest country in the world. Then you got Canada. Then you got China. And then you got the U.S. Now, now when we talk of biggest, you might be talking about land area. Uh, you might be talking about population. So if that's the case, I apologize. But probably population. Right? What are we? We're fifth? We might be fifth for population. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Leonar, what's the difference between lying out and lying? Ooh. Hey, I have done videos on the difference between lay and lie. And guess what? I know Americans, we always get it wrong. When you're talking about grammar, lay and lie, we never look at the rule book. It's always wrong. So you can study it. In a grammar book, if you want, don't be shocked if a native English speaker will use it the wrong way. Don't be shocked if an English teacher uses it the wrong way. Because sometimes if you sound too proper, people don't want to talk to you. <laughs> so that's true. If I, if I start talking, you know, in such a proper manner around my family, like you're not, you're not, you're not teaching right now. You don't have to talk like that. Um, so if somebody is lying out or laying out, you might hear both. That makes me think they're trying to get a tan. So 
the sun is out. Maybe they're at the beach. Be careful of cancer. You know, if you want to darken your skin, some people want to do that. Be careful. You might get the cancer, but, um, laying out, it could be, that's one way it could be used. Another way is, um, maybe you have some meat, sorry to all the vegetarians out there, but maybe you have some meat in the freezer and you want to lay it out so that it will unthaw so you can cook it later. That might be, that might be one reason, uh, reason that one way to use layout. And then, um, or lie, lie out, Ooh, but we wouldn't say lie out for that meat. No, let's stick with just the beach thing. They're lying out. And then lying is just not telling the truth. So I hope that helps, but you would lay out some meat to cook it at a later time. Not too long. You don't want the bacteria to set in, but you might lay out like that. Hope that helps. It don't matter. Don't matter. It don't matter. Freddie Wolf, France. Brent, could you please explain the diff? Oh, this is a tough one for me. Could you please explain the difference between farther and further if there is any? I have not researched this. Okay. So I am just going to tell you how I use them. And I think how most Americans use them interchangeably. I think it comes down to accent. It's probably not right. There is probably, if you look in a grammar book, there's probably a difference. But what I want to do is, is tell you, don't worry too much about it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a little further down the road. It's a little farther down the road. We will use those interchangeably. So maybe you're looking for the store and you're in a new town you stop and you ask for directions. The person might say, oh, you're close. It's just a little further down the road. It's a little farther down the road. You might hear that where I'm from in Maine. Some people do say father, father. It's a little farther down the road, but it sounds like father, doesn't it? Father. I am a father to my children. The store is a little bit further down the road, which is why I say further because farther sounds so much like father. Hope that helps. But I do think it's, um, I mean, we could ask Mrs. Google, couldn't we? We could, but I worry because I don't want you to get too um, worried about saying the right thing. When native English speakers don't even say the right thing. But it is a pretty common search. Oh, okay, so apparently there is a difference. Let's let's look it up here. But please do not get too worried about this, okay? So I'm going to read that highlighted point right there. The most common quick answer is usually something along the lines of farther is for physical distance and further is for figurative dif difference. As is often the case, however, simple rules run into the buzzsaw of actual usage. All right. 
Let's focus on that last sentence. Let me translate that for you if it doesn't make sense. I'll read it one more time the way it is written, but then I'm going to translate it into regular English. As is often the case, however, simple rules run into the buzzsaw of actual usage, which means native speakers don't really follow any rules. Okay. So I would not memorize. I wouldn't. I would pick one that you feel comfortable with saying and then use it the way it's supposed to be used. I would say use further because you won't have the trouble of people thinking that you're saying father, farther, further. Yeah. I just have to go a little further and I will reach that store. Hope that helps. So I know there are some English teachers that are like, no, you need to know the real difference. No, you don't. Now, if, if you, I mean, if you're going to be writing essays for a living, you know, maybe you want it to be a little bit more accurate, but if you're going to be working with other people who speak English business or hotels, they are not going to be checking your grammar. Ooh, he said further and and he should have said farther. Oh, we're not staying at this hotel. No, no, come on, come on. So if you're here to travel, talk with other people in English, don't worry about further and farther. Hopefully, hopefully that helps, Freddie. Hopefully that helps. All right. Please, could you tell me if there's a difference between she will represent our project and she will be representing our project? No, there's no difference. There's no difference. So that sentence to me, it sounds like there were many people who were working on the project, but when it comes to presenting the work, there will only be one. We might call that person a spokesperson or a presenter, but there is no difference there. She will represent our project. She will be representing our project. Nope. You can use those two interchangeably, interchangeably. I wonder, is the word California originally a Spanish word? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, Sunshine. But I do know that there is a lot of Spanish spoken in California. A lot of the cities like San Francisco is originally Spanish because it's like St. Francisco, St. Francisco. There are a lot of pueblos in California. I believe a pueblo is that Spanish for church or something like that. Um, there's a state that is near me, Vermont. And if they're Freddie probably knows that comes from the French for green mountain, Vermont, Vermont. Um, but let's take a look. California. Where does Cali Mr. Google is, um, or Mrs. Google is helping me quite a bit. I am curious about California. It doesn't sound Spanish to me. But it might be. Let's see here. We'll get back to the farther, further thing. But then um, let me unshare just in case you never know what's going to pop up, right? I don't know what's going to pop up for pictures. I don't want YouTube to get too mad at me. 
Um, you know, and Wikipedia is not always the best. Oh, Spanish. I bet there. I bet there are some people in the chat who speak Spanish. If Cecilia is still here, like, um, no, that's not Spanish. Or yes, it is. Let's see. I, I pulled it up. I pulled up. Pull up. That's a hard. That's a hard phrasal verb, isn't it? Um, it does look like it is. It is from the Spanish right here. A 16th century romance novel written by a Spanish author. So does seem like it is Spanish. I don't know what it means in Spanish, but I bet one of our Spanish viewers know. Hey, Ario, I think you're right. You know, stereotype, just opinion from people. You know, if there are enough uh, things that are true, you know, stereotypes do have a little bit of truth to them, but just know that, yeah, there's so many other people you know if i said hey all americans are rude that would be a stereotype i mean maybe a lot of them are but i know there are a lot that aren't all right let me skip down los angeles is that's something with angels right something with angels look at this ah manual thank you so much thank you okay so vermont thank you freddie you know a little bit montagne is that Montaigne? All right. Sador, you said you're an English teacher at school, but what do you teach? English. Yes. So the English that I teach at school, I teach this year. I am teaching eighth grade English. So those students are 13 and 14 years old and they're native English students. So I teach um, like right now we're working on Latin and Greek roots. Um, which can be really helpful when you're learning English. Um, we're working on uh, Maya Angelou. I know why the cage bird sings. We've been reading excerpts of that story. So, um, okay. Great question, Manuel. To mull over and musing. Do these words have the same meaning? For the most part. For the most part, um, that means to think deeply about something. So maybe you, excuse me, have a big decision and you might take um, some time to mull it over. So maybe you're thinking about switching jobs. You might mull it over for a couple weeks. Think deeply about that. Musing, it also means to think about something but it usually means there's some inspiration there. So the word muse in English, it's not used as much, but often writers would have a muse. This usually means it's a male writer and the muse they are thinking about is the woman they love. That's where it comes from originally. So, both words mean to think about something. Musing usually has some like inspiration. It's a little bit more creative, something to do with writing, maybe poetry. To mull over, it's not as it's not as creative. It's just like some real um, problem solving has to be done. I hope that helps. Hey, it looks like Danny's here. Welcome. France is definitely 
definitely well represented. All right, Green Lover. Month in the U.S. or the month in the U.K. Studying for a year or more. Okay, maybe that's not a question for me. Ooh, what would you rather do? Spend a month in the U.S. or a month in the U.K.? That's a great question, Manuel. I would be interested to know what the uh, viewers have to say. I would think because you're watching a channel called American English with this guy, you might say the U.S., but maybe, I think, did Manuel, do you live here in the U.S. now? Um, maybe if you already live in the U.S., you wouldn't mind spending some time in the U.K. Hello. Ten hours per day. What is that? Uh, okay, this is, I think, man, I'm going backwards through the chat here. So, oh, Sita, hey, be careful. Be careful. Maybe maybe Sita's husband is driving, right? Her connection's bad. She's on the road. Be careful. Hey, I'm on the road most Saturdays. I know that feeling. I am here today. If you're just joining, we have a little ice outside, a little dangerous, but it should be cleared up in a couple hours. Should be cleared up. I, now I spend more than 10 hours a day to learn English. I hope that I can use English effectively in 10 months. Do you think I can make it come true? I really want to live in the US. So uh, Green Lover, that from what you wrote there, it seems like you wrote that yourself. Um, you're doing a couple complicated things there. Um, yeah, I, I think it seems like you're at a pretty high level already. So, you know, I don't want to predict and, and come out wrong, but I do want to give you some inspiration that I do think you can do it. I do think you can do it. Um, spending 10 hours a day learning English, it might sound like a lot to some people, but if you're you know, living in an environment or you're having lots of English conversations, working in English, you know, 10 hours is not that much. It's a, it's a rather long work day, but if you're working at a hotel where you have to speak English quite a bit, I really do think that your English is going to uh, improve greatly in 10 months. 10 months is a long time if you're going 10 hours a day. Yeah. I don't know the math on that one, but it's a lot. Let's just, let's just say it's a lot. All right. Nicely done. So yeah, I think um, if somebody is just starting out, their brain is going to be mush after 10 hours. But if you're at a high level already, sounds like you might be and you're doing a lot of conversation in English, living your life in English, not too bad, watching movies in English, 10 hours isn't too bad, I guess. I think most people probably have an hour. I feel bad about my Italian. For the past couple months, I've been studying Italian 10 to 15 minutes a day. It's going to take me a long time to become fluent, but life is just so busy. All right. Uh-oh. Teacher Brent, um, does your country have the insurance for heavy winds such as tornado? Yes. Now, where I live, I don't think I pay. It's a separate insurance for high wind. It's a separate insurance. And you know what else is separate insurance? Flooding when it comes to water. So... 
I'm not exactly sure how insurance works um, when it comes to tornadoes. I know down south where we used to live, insurance was a little more expensive because of the tornado risk. If you live in places like Florida where there's a flooding risk, insurance is even higher. And if you live in a place that has a lot of hurricanes or tornadoes, the insurance company knows that you probably will need their help. So insurance gets more and more expensive the more dangerous the place you live is. Where we live, the single worst weather we can get is ice. Is ice. Back in 1998, our worst storm of my life, it was an ice storm. And so a couple inches of ice fell. It brought down a lot of power lines. It brought down a lot of trees, which would fall over and take down even more power lines. So yeah, insurance isn't as bad up here where I live because we are pretty safe. Moving to other places, your insurance will go up. Ibrahim is here. I hope all is well in Egypt. All right, quick request from Mind to Teacher Brent. I would like you to make a lesson about soccer. Hey, I did. I made a soccer. I made a soccer video. I made a soccer video. I promise. Let's check it out here. Um, I won't put the link in, but you could probably Google it. Um, let's see. I don't know if I'll come up when we do that. Oh, yeah, look at this. Look at the, the soccer ball is like almost hitting my head. Right there. Yeah, look at that. Learn English. Soccer vocabulary words. Look at that. Check that out, man. Made it uh, five months ago. That was a fun one to make. Yeah, check it out, Abba. Check it out. All right, going down into the chat. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Erroni. Yeah, but that's the thing about Italian. Uh, a, a good Italian teacher. Talk Italian with Erroni said, you don't need to feel bad about your progress. Just take your time. That's the thing. I'm never going to stop learning Italian. I am going to learn it for the rest of my life. So hopefully that's the approach you're taking with English. You're not saying, well, I'm going to learn for two years. Just, just say, hey, for the rest of my life, I'm going to learn English. That learning may change. It may eventually become you're just watching movies. That's your, that's the way you're learning English or you're just reading books. You don't have to study as much. Hopefully you'll still watch this channel. There will be a day. There will be a day. If I have done my job where you say, you know what, Brent, I just don't need your live streams anymore. I don't need your lessons anymore. I've become such a good English student. I must leave now. I will cry. I will cry a little bit, but that's the way it's supposed to be, right? If I'm doing my job, you are learning English. You're getting better at English every day. And eventually, you won't need me anymore. It'll be okay, though. It'll be okay. We'll get through. All right. Did I, have I read this one? Oh. 
manual. I do a teacher, but I read a lot of books. I'm not trying to learn every day, hundreds of words. Yeah, don't, that, that's a great attitude. You know, don't say, well, I got to learn a hundred words today. Read things that you enjoy. Hopefully the more you read, the better you get. It'll be easier. You can spend more time reading. Uh, reading and listening at the same time is amazing. I have a lot, not a lot. I have three or four audiobooks in Italian, but I also have the text. That's a big way that I teach my native English students is I read to them. They have the text in front of them. Sometimes I will project it on the wall and I read to them. It's one of the best ways to learn a language. What I have found in my 20 years of teaching, the students whose parents read to them when they were younger usually do better in school. It's just, it's just something that almost always happens. So being read to when you're a young child is great. When you're an adult, have the text and the audiobook at the same time. It's a game changer. It's really good. Yeah, there were a lot of, yes, Freddie, a lot of states, not all the states, right? Not all the states because on the East Coast, it was a lot of England, okay? A lot of them were from England. You had Florida that was originally from Spain. But then you, in Texas, California, were originally under Spanish control. But in the middle of the country, like Louisiana on up, all the way through Canada, of course, right? Um, most of that, not all, but most of that was uh, French. Quebec, I mean, they still speak French today. Parts of Louisiana, there's a lot of French being spoken. See, I was watching Friends and one character said, I'm all over the place. What does that mean? Um, if you're all over the place, it means you're not focused. So you might have some of those days where another thing we might say is um, I'm running around with my head cut off. Um, when you're just like so busy and you're not focused, um, let's say maybe, I don't know who it was, but maybe it was Monica and she's trying to cook a meal. So if Monica is trying to cook a meal, but she has the water boiling over here and the bread is burning in the oven, she might say she's all over the place. She can't be focused. So I'm running around with my head cut off. We do say that sometimes in English when you're really busy and you can't be focused. So I hope that helps. hope that helps. Yes. The, I, Freddie Wolf, the state of Maine. It comes from French and so does Louisiana. I think there, isn't there a part of France that is called Maine? I think that's where my state got its name. I think Freddie, right? I know Freddie knows. Iran is in the house. Iran is in the house. Um, last night with my daughter, we were watching a YouTuber. His name is Peter Santanello. And he was in Iran. And he was talking with some young women in Iran. One woman was a skateboarder. It's great. I would love 
to visit Iran one day. Love to visit Iran one day. Ah, that gesture is a stereotype in Italy. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of Italians that don't do that gesture. But hey, when I was watching the Euro and every time an Italian soccer player was upset with a call, he'd go like this, right? Probably not every time, but it seemed like it. I think Arroni and I were laughing about that. Jose, I love I love your channel, trying to learn English. Hey, I'm glad you're here, man. Jose, you'll get it. You'll get it. Keep coming back. Audi. Oh, Premium League? Yeah. Um, in English, we, we call it the Premier League. Uh, I don't watch it as much. I do love it. I love the World Cup. I love it when countries are playing each other. I love the Euro. I love the, I can't remember what they called the South American Cup. Argentina, Brazil. Come on, let's go. I can't pick one. I can't pick one. Whoever wins in the South South America Cup is good. It's usually Brazil, right? Usually Brazil or Argentina. Always a good game. Always a good game. All right, let's see. I missed missed your question, Ario. Why am I so comfortable to listen to animation in English? Ah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Ario, because I would think, because some of the animation can get quite difficult. Um, I would think that movies where you can see people's lips move as they are speaking would be easier. But yeah, I don't know. Ario, I don't know. Um, we do have an English phrasal verb called talk over. So in movies, a lot of times people will talk over each other. And that means one person starts talking before the other person finishes talking. And that happens in movies quite a bit because that happens in real life. People don't often wait for the other person to stop speaking before they start speaking. A lot of times they'll talk over it. So maybe animation doesn't have that as much. I still I still think they do it sometimes. Right, what time? What time are we looking at here? Any any final questions? Any final questions? All right, Constantine. I don't think it matters as long as you study the language. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's okay to take a break. If you feel like you're all over the place when you're studying English, it is okay to take a break. Maybe you don't study English that day, or maybe you just, you know, spend 10 minutes on studying English. But yeah, I think that's a great idea, Constantine. Yeah. Now, the, the more you study, you know, the quicker you will learn, but it doesn't help if you burn yourself out. If you're trying so hard to learn English that you're spending hours and hours a day and you start not liking it, that doesn't help. You know, you need to know what your brain is capable of. You don't want to overload your brain and burn out. Great advice. Great advice. Ah, the Copa. Copa Americana. Probably say that wrong. The Copa. 
Let's just keep that Copa. No way. There's a street in Paris called Main Avenue. I want to visit it. Definitely want to visit it one day. All right, Manuel. I usually do shadowing. Oh, I hope I'm taking your pronunciation to the next level. Oh, that's awesome. It's improving by leaps and bounds. We say that quite often. That sounds very natural. We, uh, If you're improving by leaps and bounds, you're getting better and better every day, like a lot more. So, Emmanuel, so happy. That makes me uh, very happy to hear that. All right, Green Lover. So this is how Green Lover spends 10 hours studying English every day. Surround myself with English. That's a great one. It's really effective. I read English books. I watch English shows. And a friend to practice English with. It sounds like you have it figured out. Come on. How can you go wrong? Get the reading, the listening, the speaking. What else is left? The writing. Does anybody need to learn to write in English? Probably not. Those four, you know, you want to practice all four, maybe. The writing, though, I don't know. I think most people, your ultimate goal is to speak, right? And to get there, listening and reading will help. It will get you to the speaking. Writing, do we care? I don't know. I don't know. Green Lover, sounds like you have it figured out. Sounds like you have it figured out. Hey, Maria's here. Maria said that she would be out. Um, I did put a, I, nobody said they wanted to. I know it's hard to get on camera, but in the community tab for Silver members this week, I said, hey, if you want to come on and ask a question, get on video, practice your speaking, you can, but I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Oh, that's great. Breakfast with her dad. Come on. What a good daughter. What a good daughter. All right. Ram art. Puddle and paddle. Puddle and paddle. So I splashed in the puddle. I paddled the boat. Hope that helps. I splashed in the puddle. I paddled the boat. Maybe practice a little shadowing with that on replay. Paddle, puddle. There's not much difference there, is there? There isn't a whole lot of difference between puddle and paddle. Ah, a few of the people I know, uh, New York, it was at one time called New Amsterdam. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think a little part of New York City was once Dutch, was once Dutch. And a little west of that is a state called Pennsylvania. And in Western Pennsylvania, there are some people called the Pennsylvania Dutch. But be careful. They are not Dutch. It comes from Deutsch. They're actually German. So there are a lot of... Um, People who have moved, this was years ago, probably a hundred years or more, but a lot of German immigrants moved to Western Pennsylvania and we now call them the Pennsylvania Dutch. 
even though they're not from Holland. But yeah, Manuel's exactly right. New York was once called New Amsterdam. And I live in a part of the country called New England. New England, there are six states of New England. Hey, Japan. Welcome, Ron. Good to see you here. Um, what is my favorite American TV series? To be honest, I've been so busy. I have not watched a television series since The Office. Now, since Thanksgiving, and I think that's been about three weeks, I did watch all six hours of The Beatles get back. So I guess that was the last television series I watched. The Beatles get back. I'm a big Beatles fan. Big Beatles fan. All right, Audie. Audie. Yeah, hey, Ario is a big fan of Japan. Big fan of Japan. TJ Brent, what do you think? I can prove my English by I like to teach little kids how to speak. Made me prepare lessons. When I was teaching, I was never speaking Thai with them. Ooh, hey, in the Thai language, it's a beautiful language. I love the script. I love the script. So in English, we have a saying like this. To truly learn something, you must teach it. So the best way to learn something is to teach it. And that might not make any sense because you might say, well, I need to learn it first to teach it. Yes, that is true. But as Audie said, preparing those lessons, it really makes you examine your own knowledge. So Audie, and when I went to college for teaching, they talked about the ways to learn something and the highest way to learn something, the best way right at the top, they had like a triangle and it was to teach it. So the best way, that's why in my classroom, I always let students work together. If one student doesn't understand something, another student can explain it to them. That is the best way to learn something when you actually have to explain it. So Audie, I wouldn't be surprised if your English improves by leaps and bounds because of your teaching. Um, Constantine, Mr. Brent. What do you think about studying while sleeping, fake or not? Um, for the most part, probably fake. For the most part, probably fake. But right before I'm ready to go to bed, I will listen to Italian podcasts. I will. And right before sleep, I do think I get some knowledge. But once I'm asleep, I really don't think it works. If you go to my podcast, Learn American English with this guy, a lot of times I will combine old lessons and make like nine hours of English teaching. And you can listen to that while you sleep. I don't think you're learning anything while you're actually asleep, but maybe a little bit. And so if it helps you sleep, I say, why not? But how much, I, I think most, the vast, vast, vast majority of your learning 
will happen when you're awake. It might be right as you're falling asleep. You might learn a little something, but yeah, I think it's fake. I think you have to put in the, the real work listening. Now there are two types of listening. There's active listening where you're paying attention to every word. And then there is passive listening. So maybe you're doing the dishes. Maybe you're fixing a meal. You might not hear everything. So I don't think it is as good as active listening, but it's better than no listening at all. Hope that makes sense. Yeah. Best series, Friends. Definitely. I love Friends. I've watched a lot of episodes of Friends many times. I'm not going to argue with you. I think a lot of people would agree. I'm a big fan of Friends. Big fan of Friends. Dope Sick. Beautiful TV series. Streaming on Disney+. Plus. Um, What was I watching? Uh, Disney Plus is great for Italian. I know not a lot of people are learning Italian in here, but... Disney Plus has a lot of subtitles, so I know they have a lot of English, I'm sure, and most of their TV series actually has Italian subtitles, so I'll put on um, in, the, in the Italian audio as well, so yeah, Disney Plus. Green Lover says, thanks so much, teacher. Now I'm intermediate, all right, and you want to be advanced. Uh, can I tell you how to do that? Um mm, you know, lots and lots of hard work. We have something in English called the intermediate plateau. I think that comes from French. And a plateau, it actually can happen in the real world. It's kind of like a mountain with the top cut off. So it's like a mountain that's flat on the top. And what the intermediate plateau is, is that you have learned so much English that it feels like you're not getting any better. And you have to start learning more advanced English. There isn't as much material out there for you. So it will feel like you're probably not learning at all, but I would argue you are learning. Maybe you're not learning more vocabulary or it doesn't feel like you're learning more vocabulary or when you were a beginner, You were learning 20 new words a day. And now that you're at the intermediate level, all of that work, you're only learning two or three new words a day because you know so much. But I would say you're working on fluency. In English, when we say fluency, it means how the words come out of your mouth, how you process those words fluidly, smoothly. So I would say just keep doing what you're doing. Lots of listening, lots of reading. You might have to challenge yourself with slightly more difficult uh, reading. I would worry about reading the classics though, like Dickens. As a native English speaker, I love reading Shakespeare. I love reading Dickens. Um, But that language is not used anymore. So... I would caution you about reading the classics if you want to improve your English for everyday speech. But 
Um, I think most of my students are at a C1. They're not a C2. My 13 and 14-year-old students, I think there are a lot of native English speakers at the B2 level. So if you're at a B2, you're going to do really well. Just depends on what you want to do in English. If you just simply want to move to the United States and get a job, I think a B2, that's that's intermediate. That'll get you really far. If you want to teach English to others, you might need that C1 or C2. C2 is so hard though. I, I would say a lot of native English speakers are not at a C2. I, that's what I believe. I've seen the definition for a C2 with all the tenses that you have to use, with all of the topics that you have to speak eloquently on, I don't think a lot of native English speakers are at a C2. There you go, Audie. Now I'm an expert in the ABC song, all right? Well, that is the one problem. If you're teaching really young students, you know, it will be hard to challenge yourself that much, but maybe try teaching slightly older students at some point if you can, but Hey, at least, you know, your ABCs, Audie, at least, you know, your ABCs. All right. Walking on sunshine. That's a good song. I'm not going to sing it, but we have a song in English. I'm walking. I'm not going to sing it. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. All right. What's this? I missed my comment. Hey, I miss a lot of comments, don't I? Um, I didn't. Yeah. Hey. Um. Yeah. Let's talk about this for a second. Um. An online English course, Ario. Should you take? Oh, you know what? I haven't watched it yet. But Bob the Canadian, he did an English. He did a a recent video on should you take an online English course. I think he did. So check that out. If you haven't seen that yet, I have not had a chance to watch it. I want to, or have I, did I watch it? I can't remember. I try to watch all of Bob the Canadian's Tuesday lessons. I think I did. Um, the thing about an English course, you're going to pay money, right? Um, it might save you a lot of time because everything you need will probably be in one place. So it will probably save you time. It will cost you money. But I think there is so much free material on YouTube for learning how to speak English. You might not need a course. Now, if you're a person who needs structure and you say, well, every Tuesday night, I am going to attend this class whether it is on per, in person in person or online you might need that structure but if you're a person who likes to study on your own just watch youtube videos watch english movies read english books there's so much free material out there i did want to do and i might do it in a couple months but should you take an english course check out bob the canadians check out bob the canadians which one of these is used more? Thorn, spine, prickle. Oh, for the, okay. Because I was going to say they're all used in different ways, but you're talking about 
the pointed outgrowth on the bark of a plant. Okay. So we would usually use bark just with a tree. Okay. But if you're talking about a, of those three words, I would say thorn. Yeah. Thorn. So think of the flower, a rose. Okay. What do they have? They have thorns. So when you pick, Oh, do we talk about grip? When you pick a rose up by the stem, there will likely be thorns. So we would use of those three, we would use thorns. You could also use spike maybe, but thorn is the most common. Constantine, glad celebrating your wife's birthday while listening to you, listening for the gist. You see what he said there? He's listening for the gist. So he's probably not actively listening. I am on in the background and he hears a little of what I say. It's still a great way to study and you can celebrate your wife's birthday. So happy birthday, December 11th. And I was saying earlier, my mom's birthday was two days ago, December 9th. So she turned 75. Get paint. What's going on? What's the meaning of this? It sure beats. All right. So we would use sure beats when comparing two things. Okay. So maybe you're at the beach, summer, you got the waves flowing in. You could say, if you're with another person, say, hey, the sure beats going to work, right? So when, when one thing is better than another thing, you can say it sure beats. Um, what else? I just think of work. Like instead of working, being at the beach, hey man, this sure beats going to, going to work, right? This sure beats going into the office today. I'll take this over going to work. Yeah. So um, trying to think of another, but you can pretty much use it in any way. Um, when you're doing one thing that you prefer over another thing, um, maybe you're walking to work. Maybe you have to walk to work, but then a friend comes and picks you up in their car. They see you walking. They say, Hey, you want to ride? You want to lift? Say, sure. When you, when you get into the car, when you climb into the car, you can use both. Um, they might say, Hey, the sure beats walking to work, right? Getting a ride, sure beats walking to work. All right, get paint. I like that logo right there. Hope that helps. Uh, hey, Maria, thank you so much for your support. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, for subscribing. If you're subscribed, thank you. I think most of you are, right? Thank you. Get paint. You are welcome. Hey, what do you say? I got to get going. Hope Constantine's wife has a good birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you uh, so much for joining. I think Bob the Canadian is going. Maybe he's not. Is he? He's going live in about a half an hour. So check him out if he is. I don't know. Is he? Let's see. Some, he sometimes takes off Saturday. He doesn't have a live stream. Eh, it looks like he's not going live today, right? I can't see that he is. 
I bet some people know if he is or not. Yeah, he usually goes live in about a half an hour, but I don't think he is. Hey, talk Italian with Aroni. Has to go. All right. Let's see. Hey, wait, we did have a poll. I did have a poll up there. Can I check that poll? Did you like summer or winter better? It looks like 65% of the people like summer better. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about summer better. Hey, okay. Freddie Wolf says Bob the Canadian is not going live today. Okay. So maybe this is all the English you need. So we went live for almost an hour and a half. Maybe watch it on replay, but it's an hour and a half native English speaker speaking mostly grammatically correct, but I am speaking in a way that native English speakers speak. Maybe just a little slower, maybe just a little more clear, but either way. Okay. Maria says he's not going live. Sita says this is his Saturday off. Hey, Bob, the Canadian deserves it. All right. You all deserve it. I hope you have a good Saturday. This is some of my favorite hours of the week when I can go live with you. I just never know when I'm not going to be busy on a Saturday. All right. Hope you all do well. See ya. Adios, amigos.